0: 12. Uh, we've been making def- decent progress and we're going to continue to, but I'm not going to make a lot of progress tonight. All right. So the next couple, I'm going to slow down just a little bit. Um, I want to dig down on a couple of these things because they're pretty important. And it's real easy to read through your Bible and sort of skim over some of these things and not stop and meditate on what this thing is trying to tell us. And so we're just going to dig down a little bit. I'm going to drill down a little on verses 7 and verse 8. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge and by the same spirit. Let's pray, Father, we ask you to give us understanding in these things tonight. I pray Father that you'd fill me with your holy Spirit. I pray that uh, your folks will be glad that they came back tonight. I pray you'd feed their souls, Lord, I, I realize it's been a busy weekend. Uh, Most everybody was out at the house yesterday. We really thank you for giving us a good day, God, and just the good spirit, the good fellowship, and great time being together. Thank you for my church family, and I just really appreciate it, Lord. And I appreciate you doing what you're doing. It's you that puts us together, and I thank you for it. Now I pray you'd help us to be a kind of people that please you. I pray that we'd be able to reach more people and welcome more people in as you send them. I pray we'd be wise to keep the doors locked until the sun's high and we see what we're doing, and that we'd. Lock it behind those that enter, God, that we'd know for sure that uh, we're following you and that we're being careful and we're, we're watching out for what we're supposed to watch out for, Lord, that you can do a work here, that there'd be no breaches in the wall, that we'd all be active, we'd all be uh, careful, we'd all be on guard. Uh, like they even said this morning, Father, uh, not only were there watchmen appointed on the walls in that city, but there were folks assigned to watch by their own houses and help us to be doing that. I pray you give us a little something tonight that would strengthen us and and draw us closer to you, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, I touched on it this morning, but if you'll notice there in verse number 7, it says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. That word manifest means to reveal, to make, to appear, to show plainly or to make public. Uh, Manifestation is the act of disclosing what is secret, unseen or obscure. The exhibition of anything by clear evidence, a display. So the manifestation of the Spirit is something that's showing what's secretly hidden within you. Brian, would you go in my office there and on the wall, I want you to grab my ordination certificate. I meant to grab that before I started. Would you grab that for me? There's there's a, there's a few of them there. Make sure it says it's from Hope Baptist Church, the one that's the man, the ordination. Um, so it's, it's a manifestation, a visible manifestation. You're seeing... Something that's invisible, that's unseen. Here's the catch. Here's the problem when it comes to the gifts. When it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, everybody likes the being seen part. This is where it gets really dangerous. Just pull it off the wall. It's hanging on the wall there. It's not on the wall there? Well, it wasn't coming off? Did I glue it on? Just rip it off, man. All right. Just don't damage the certificate. I can get a new frame. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that very much. All right. Um, So everybody likes the being seen part, right? And this is why there's so much doctrinal confusion and practical confusion when it comes to the gifts. I firmly believe with all my heart there's men in pulpits throughout America that have no business being in the pulpit. If God didn't call you to preach, then you shouldn't be preaching. If God didn't call you a pastor, you should not be a pastor. Uh, Brother Sowell used to say it quite well. He used to say, if you can be happy doing anything else, then just do it. Right. Because if you're really called a God to preach, then nothing else in this life is going to satisfy. There's going to be an itch there you can't scratch. And as you're trying to please God and serve God and, and, uh, and, and follow God, you're just, it's just going to be an itch you can't scratch. That's how Brother Lentz described it. Because uh, young guys always have come to him. There was clear evidence, a manifestation of God's spirit on Brother Lentz was preaching. It was no doubt about it, man. Uh, I, it, you can't even put it into words. You just have to sit there and feel it. You just have to recognize it. it. It's just something the whole body of Christ saw. You wouldn't know it if you just looked at him walking down the road. Actually, if you looked at him walking down the road and he was coming towards you, you'd probably just cross the other side of the road. You know what I mean? He's that kind of guy. You, you wouldn't really mess with him much. If you had a brain in your head, if you knew how to size a guy up, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, is one of those guys that's like, I ain't messing with him unless I'm ready to get ready to one die or kill him. You understand that, right? Certain guys, it's like, if you're ready to die, then go ahead and mess with them. And if you're going to mess with them and you think you can whoop them, then you better be ready to kill them because that kind of guy ain't going to stop unless you do. You understand what I mean? A lot of guys aren't willing to go that far. They want to get at it, but they ain't willing to kill them to to prove the point. You see what I'm saying? That was him. I mean, you just knew it. You understand what I mean? You'd be intimidated. Something about his presence. He had that presence. He had a a gift of leadership, in my opinion. He, He was just that to me. I looked up to him tremendously. And something about him was totally unique. But a lot of that was the flesh. When he got in the pulpit and started preaching, it was just undeniable. Uh, God's spirit was in it. I used to long for God to give that to me. I longed to have just a little tiny piece of what it was he had. But the spirit of God was manifest. So it was there when he walked by. It's there all the time because the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. But when that thing gets manifest, everybody recognizes what that is. The problem is, the manifestation is what everybody sees. I mentioned it briefly last week, but I want to bring it back this week. Your obsession ought not be, and we're going to get more into this as we go on, okay? But you need to, you need to grab a hold of what I'm going to say, because later we're going to know, Paul tells us, to covet earnestly the best gifts. You ought to desire to have the best spiritual gifts that there are. You should, one thing you should covet, not a house, not a car, not money. What you ought to covet is the best gifts. Spiritual gifts that God can give you, you ought to desire those with all your heart. So, I'm going to come back to that later, but let me say this this is very important to get. The spiritual gifts could ruin you. Now, that's a scary thought because that is something God put in you and gave you for a purpose. When people see the gifts manifested, it is like, man, that guy is really bringing a lot of people to church. He's always winning people to Christ. That guy can really preach. That guy can really teach. Man, that person's really a great help. That person's a this, that. And they're a blessing to you. Because we're so frail, humanly speaking, because we're so frail, spiritually speaking, you see that gift manifested and you start wanting that gift. You should desire more than the gifts of the Spirit. It should start with the fruits of the Spirit. What should be more important to you than the gifts is the fruit. Do you understand the difference? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, right? The fruit of God's Spirit is your Christian character. You follow that? Your Christian character is more important than your Christian giftedness. If your Christian character is where it ought to be, if you're truly desiring to be filled with God's Spirit and to walk with God and, and to be what he said, be filled with the Spirit. You want the filling of God's Holy Spirit and you're striving to always walk with Him and to produce those fruits in your life, to crucify the flesh with the affections and lusts and be filled with the Spirit of Almighty God. If your character is right, spiritually speaking, then God, and as He's in control of you and matures you and develops you, those gifts begin to come out and you're able to handle those gifts so the gift doesn't ruin you you because your Christian character came first. In other words, the gifts of the Spirit of God ought to be rooted in your relationship with God, your walk with Jesus Christ, your love for God, your understanding of your Bible doctrine, your understanding of God and who He is and how He works, and your desire to please God, your desire to be God's tool, because the gift that you have is not about you. That's verse number seven. If God gives you a gift... It is with all. It's for everybody else. Keeping your finger here in 1 Corinthians, go over with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at it again, and it's important to look at it because it's a great point to be made, and I'm just going to beat this thing home until it gets through some heads because I really don't think in our human nature, I don't think we grab a hold of this stuff. Look at verse 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for whatever reason, it seems to be that whole pastor and teacher and evangelist and that up-front ministry is what seems to grab everybody's attention, obviously because, humanly speaking, that's the person up front. Uh, everybody's obsessed with this. And, and it's just, it just isn't right. We're miscommunicating what the call of God is. And I don't think we're intending to, but we're miscommunicating what ministry is. If you're called to be a pastor, you know what you're called to do? You're called to minister to people. It's not just all about what you see on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. To be a good pastor, and I don't claim to be one, but I do understand doctrinally and studying my Bible and watching some other men, to be a good pastor in order to minister to people, do you know what it takes in your personal life? It takes misery. Misery produces ministry. If God's going to use you and gift you for certain things, if God's going to do it God's way, you want the gifts of God, right? You want God to use you in the church. You want to be a blessing. You want to be a gifted Christian. Then if God's going to use you, before God uses you, he will bruise you. He bruised his own son. God will take a man, God will break a man or a woman, and then God will make a man. It's interesting to watch. I mean, even, even Anna, is, she's, surgery was a year ago, two years ago, 16 years old at the time. And it was, my wife and I noticed it because after she went through her surgery, some of the older folks in church would be talking about doctor's appointments or surgery and she'd be like, She's 60 at her. <laughs> you know, like all of a sudden, you know, something clicked. You know, kids don't listen to adult old people when you're talking about your surgeries. You just they just don't. And it's not hurtful. It's understandable, right? They're just kind of in their own world. Yeah, but you go you go under the knife. You know, that fear, no, I don't want to put under and what's it going to feel like and all the pain afterwards and the way the meds mess with your head and all the rest of the repercussions that come with that and the rehab and all that drama that comes with it. You know what I mean? It changes you. You know, it makes you able to really say, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that and mean it. And somehow or another, you're saying, I'm sorry to hear that. And that person's like, hey, you are real blessed to me. And you're like, what did I do? You said, I'm sorry to hear that. A hundred people said they're sorry to hear that. But one person made a difference. You know what it is? It's a spiritual gift. You know what it comes from? It comes from misery. Still want to be called to preach? Still want to be the gifted one at church? Still want to be a deacon? You know what it means to be a deacon? Not pastor talks about me from the pulpit and everybody. You know what it means? It means you take the late night call, you jump and run, you're over there working on stuff when nobody else is there, you're up at the church when nobody else is, all by yourself, quiet, lonely, getting stuff done, making stuff happen. Everybody else is coming and going. The lights turned down, we got here. Isn't that a blessing? It's great, man. The trash gets taken out, the lawn's mowed. The building's clean. Everything's organized. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it great to walk in and just have everything all set and squared away and good to go? Ain't it nice to have a clean building to be in? It's a blessing, ain't it? You know what's going on behind the scenes? There's people organizing that stuff. There's people working to get all that stuff done. Well, you really want the gifts and callings? Well, that's a gift. Not one most people want. Most people, we're going to look at some gifts as we get into this that people don't really want. Brother D will tell you one of his gifts is helps. That's his ministry, helps. You know what that means? Hey, brother, I need some help. All right, honey, I was going to go with you to the doctor's appointment for our adult son that needs help, you know, that, that, that is, needs help getting in the car, getting out of the car, walking through. We've got to hold his arm like, like you would a 90-year-old lady, but you're going to have to take him on your own because somebody made a phone call. That's a spiritual gift. Yeah, nobody wants that gift. You know, everybody wants the glamorous gifts, and that is exactly why in your Pentecostal movements and your holiness movements and your charismatic movements, you'll have a ton of people in that church gifted to speak in tongues because all of a sudden you jump up and you, oh, the Holy Ghost is on them, and you blabber away and get all the attention on yourself, but nobody's benefited by that thing. Nobody gets helped by that. That's not really truly the way the Spirit of God is working right now, and we're going to get into that, and I'm going to show you that is a false gift. That's not how that gift was designed or what that gift was for. I had somebody tell me not long ago, I spoke in tongues, but nobody interpreted. And I I didn't say nothing because I didn't feel the need to. It just wasn't right. I mean, I was ready, but I didn't. I just, oh yeah. That ain't biblical tongues. If nobody interprets, you're not doing anything. So if you want to speak in tongues, eventually it probably will happen. You stick around long enough. One of these guys is going to come in here, and they're going to try to show off in our service. They're going to jump up and pop off at the mouth, and I'm going to interpret. So if that happens, just relax. Don't worry about it, okay? I'm serious. I'm waiting for it. They're going to jump up, and they're going to go crazy, and y'all are going to panic. And I'm going to stop. I'm just going to be calm, all right? I'm going to watch them. And when he's done, I'm going to say, man, that was a blessing. God is moving in our service, and I'm here to interpret what he said. He is building the parking lot and the 300-seat sanctuary cash himself. Ain't that a blessing? Appreciate that gift, brother. See, folks, that stuff's foolishness, but, the, but you'll see people obsessed with the gifts. They want the gifts that drag all the attention to themselves. The gifts is not for you. God did not call me to preach because he was like, Mike, I really want you to be somebody. I want everybody to know what a great Christian you are. I'm putting you out there because you're a great man and everybody needs to know what a great man you are and I want you to be famous and successful and get all kinds of online viewers and and I want your church just to grow huge so people can just be patting your back and telling you how wonderful you are. That ain't what a pastor is. That's not what God put me here for. You know what it is? According to Ephesians 4, it's a gift of God, look at it, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's about the giver, the bridegroom, and his bride. And it is not about the preacher. He's supposed to get in there and get to work trying to get those scriptures so he can come in here and edify and help and exalt you, bless you, build you up, and exalt Jesus Christ. My certificate of ordination uh, I thought was interesting. It says, We the undersigned upon the recommendation and request of the Hope Baptist Church of Toledo, Ohio, which had full and sufficient opportunity for judging the God-given gifts, and after the satisfactory examination by us in regard to the Christian experience, call to the ministry, and views of Bible doctrine, hereby certify Michael Reagan, was solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained to the work of the gospel ministry by the authority and order of the order of the Hope Baptist Church of Toledo, Ohio, on the 20th day of February 2009. You know what it said? After satisfactory examination... And full and sufficient opportunity for judging the God-given gifts. You know what they're doing? They're sitting back and saying, "All right, is there a manifestation of the Spirit of God here? Do you know one of the signs, proofs, validations that a man is called to preach is that when he gets in the pulpit and opens up the Bible, God's people say, that was a help. God convicted me. The Lord showed me something. God changed me. That encouraged me. That's the spirit of God in those people recognizing that God was using that man to be a blessing to you. You know, nowadays churches are absolutely packed full of people that go to church where they never stop to consider whether or not the guy in the pulpit teaching them actually has a God-given gift and call to be doing what he's doing. They just sit there for a thousand other reasons in church. I got a position, I got a title, I'm recognized, my kids like it, I got a great uh, Sunday school program, they got a great youth group program, they got a divorce program, they got a singles program, they got a lot of pretty girls, they got a lot of single guys, they got hundred reasons why people go to church, have nothing to do with the preaching of the word of God or whether or not you're growing in Jesus Christ at all. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All right, so here's verse number eight. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So I want to look at these two tonight. First of all, I want to look at the word of knowledge. What is that? You know, you got the charismatic movement telling you that the word of knowledge is this guy has some kind of an ability to know things. What it is is it's demonic. Most of the time, they don't have a gift of knowledge at all, most of the time, it's a pure sham. Now, now, now stay with me for a second. It is not hard to dupe the masses. It is amazing to me how ignorant God's people can be sometimes. They're being lazy about their Bible. They don't read their Bible. They run by their feelings. They just put all their faith and trust in some guy in a pulpit somewhere because somebody said they don't sit back and sufficiently judge. they don't sit back and say where's that in the Bible they don't even know how to turn to the passages when the pastor is turning to them and that's okay if you're new but if you've been around for five or ten years you ought to know where that's at in your Bible and if you don't go to the index at the beginning and begin memorizing Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers Deuteronomy Joshua Judges Ruth first second Samuel memorize them all start to finish there's only 66 of them and you can do that if you give yourself 12 months you can get it done you ought to be able to turn in your Bible and validate what's being said from that pulpit, and it ought to matter to you. You ought not be duped by some guy in a pulpit pulling some kind of a quick one on people. They're literally scammers. In a room of 100 people, let alone a viewing audience of 20, 30, 50, 100,000, a million over a radio or television program, it is not hard for me to say, Oh, wait, God's given me a word of knowledge. Somebody in this room right now, somebody here, somebody here is struggling in your marriage. <laughs> oh, yeah? oh, yeah. Wow, that guy's got a gift, man. He knew it. Come on, man. Of course you're going you to, just, they're just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what will stick. And people are like, oh, it was amazing. How did he know that? He's a scam artist. He's a con artist. That's baloney, man. I couldn't care less. You know what Jesus Christ could do? He could walk, walk up and say, hey, listen, before I ever met you, I knew you. I saw you under the tree before I met you. I knew where you were at. It's like, what in the world? Now that's a word of knowledge. He never even met the guy and knew stuff about him, and could tell him stuff about him. You want a nerd? A word of knowledge? Go nerd of knowledge. <laughs> That's what they are—nerds of knowledge. You want a, a word of knowledge? Go to the go. <laughs> go to those prophets and look at God prophesying before it ever happens about a king at a certain point in a certain place, certain thing doing it. I mean, kneeling that thing down verbatim, I mean, nailing it down one step at a time and then watching a king in the past take it and then that prophecy taking place. I mean, it is unbelievable. You want a word of knowledge, God's got it. But these yahoos, they don't have it. So what is a word of knowledge? First of all, it's dangerous. Go back to Genesis chapter three. We're gonna be turning a little bit tonight, all right? Genesis chapter number three. Look at verse number one. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God's what? You know what the devil has? Knowledge. That's scary. Lucifer has a lot of knowledge. You know, a guy can get in a pulpit with a lot of knowledge. And, oh, man, he's so smart. And he can be talking about God and even trying to show you a verse here and a verse there to prove his point. And be Luciferian. Let me show you something else about the devil. Go to Ezekiel chapter 28. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter number 28. Look at verse 3. By the way, I hope we always have people that are still trying to struggle to find the passages. I'm not harping on you. You know, when you're new, it, it takes a little while. Especially if you're under pressure because the preacher's preaching. You ought to know it. And then it's like, you know what I've done? I want you to know this. I think this is only fair. Give me this for a second. I'm being a pastor right now. I feel bad for people sometimes. I have sat in church, called to preach, finished Bible school, the whole nine yards, right? And he'll say, turn to a book. And and I'm like... (laughs) I'm scrolling back and the more I'm like just having this complete blank in my head, the more I'm panicking and the more I panic, the more I feel like everybody's staring at me and the more I feel like everybody's staring at me, the more I'm just completely falling apart, feel like a complete idiot. I turn to my wife like, hey, where's that at? Like, I'm lost right now. So, so just breathe, but do work on it. Get to know your Bible. Get to know where those books are at, all right? Gave you time to get there. That was fair, right? Ezekiel chapter 28. Look at verse 3. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel, there is no secret they can hide from thee. Now watch this. With thy wisdom and thine understanding. Now, now mark this down because I'm going to refer back to it later because I don't want to have to turn back here for the sake of time. So the devil has wisdom and he has understanding, but look at what kind of understanding he has. By thy understanding thou hast gotten thee riches and hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasures. By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic thou hast increased thy riches and thy heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Look at verse 7. Behold, therefore, I will bring strangers upon thee, the terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile thy brightness. Lucifer has wisdom, Lucifer has knowledge, and Lucifer has understanding, but there is a certain type of all of those things. The understanding he has is an understanding in money. It's an understanding in things that benefit himself. You know, uh, he said over there in the Gospels, he said the children of this generation are wiser than the children of light, talking how they understand commerce, they understand how, and he's like, you don't get it, you're not using your money right, to save people, you're, you're, you're hoarding it up for yourself, not giving it to God. You know, we were talking to somebody over there at the, at the open house yesterday about it, you know money's alive, it's a weird thing. It's always moving. It's either moving for you or against you, but it's always moving. It's a weird thing, man. You know what's funny about the markets? And I don't claim to be any kind of, so don't even ask me. I'm no kind of financial expert, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on this one. The markets are not very scientific. They're emotional. She's pointed it out to me. Like, watch what will happen. A bad news article will come out, and before anything's even had time, the fallout's even had time, the markets go, why? Based on pure emotion, pure panic. Isn't that funny? Something about money is weird. And it's dangerous. The love of it is. And it's moving. And it's fluid. And you can't trust in it. But with understanding, you can get it. If you love it, if you will be rich, they that will be rich, if you want it, you can get it. If you got understanding, that's understanding that benefits you. That's demonic understanding. So the devil has wisdom, the devil has knowledge, and the devil has a type of understanding. Now that's scary. Now go with me, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. want to look at what a word of knowledge is according to the Bible, all right? Not according to some kind of an emotional movement, uh, some kind of thing that you were told or thing that you were taught. Let's let the Bible define what a word of knowledge is. Uh, First of all, you're going to see in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 16, you're going to notice that that this gift is is something God gives uh, because you have, He'll give it to you when you have no natural appetite for it. Does that make sense? So when you know you have a spiritual word of knowledge, it is where you're understanding something that you naturally don't get. Does that make sense? You naturally wouldn't grasp this thing. You naturally aren't this person. But spiritually, you're understanding something that is not really you. Amen? Hey, by the way, I'm real glad God has the ability to make me something I'm really not. Right. I don't like this holding twenty years again twenty years in the past against somebody. We were talking about that yesterday at the open house too. I, I don't want people. To, I'm forty-four years old. I don't want to be. Oh, I know who you were. I remember you. People I run into ain't seen in years. I remember you when you were a kid. Yeah, you don't know me now. Right. You're a little touchy about that. Yeah, I am. Why? Because some things I don't want to be. <laughs> Uh, 20 years ago, don't mean nothing to me today. Amen? The Lord can give you an appetite for something you never had an appetite for. He can give you an ability to grasp things you in and of yourself, in and of your natural man can't grasp, and that's a spiritual gift. Look at 1 uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. See that? For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him. See, that's what you naturally understand. And in your personality, in your IQ, in whatever you have a propensity for, you'll have a natural inclination towards certain things. Uh, Some people are just gifted in human areas. Uh, I think Todd's very gifted in mechanics. I mean, he's naturally that way. Uh, I know what Dan does for a living, but I think even... Deeper than than what Dan does for a living, why Dan's good at what he does is because of who Dan is. I think naturally, instinctively, when I see Dan, I see somebody that's like he can't walk by the birdie with the broken wing. He's got to run over there and help. Uh, he'll stay calm in, in the in the heat of the moment. Everybody else is panicking. He'll get in there. He'll see the problem. He'll address it. He'll fix it. He he wants to help. That's kind of who he is and his natural man because of who he is he wound up in this line of work. Todd's natural man, he's very mechanical. He's a genius when it comes to fixing stuff. Uh, I think Jerry's the same way, just genius when it comes to figuring problems out and knowing what's wrong and fixing the thing. He's got a natural inclination towards that, right? Uh, so, so your natural man will understand certain things. But when it comes to the things of God, your natural man ain't so inclined to grab a hold of all this Bible's teaching. Uh, your natural man's gonna struggle paying attention till we get done tonight in the next 20 minutes or so. But the spiritual man, the spiritual man might say, yeah, that was good, I need to think about that. I never saw that, I never thought of it that way. So God's the one giving you that gift. It says in verse 12, now uh, we have received uh, not the spirit of, even, oh, I'm sorry, verse 11, even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God, see that? Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak. It's a word of knowledge. Not in the words with man's wisdom teacheth, but with the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. See that? What's he do all things? He's judging all things. It's knowledge. It's, it's information. He's judging all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? What's an instructor do? He gives you knowledge, right? Your instructors in school stand there and they'll get on the board. What are they doing? They're giving you knowledge. He's saying, are you giving God knowledge? No. But we have the mind of Christ. It's a spiritual gift that enables you to get knowledge from God, to understand the true deep things of God. Uh, look with me if you would at 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Go back to 2 Chronicles chapter number 1. 1 Second Samuel, 1 Second Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. Look at verse number 7. 2 Chronicles 1 7. And that night God did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. Now, you know the story here. David's passed off the scene. Solomon's going to be king, and he's a young man. Uh, he's, he's not... Listen, when you look at Solomon, he ain't got the aptitudes his dad had. Okay? Solomon was not naturally the leader his dad was. Uh, he was not naturally the warrior his dad was. Solomon was soft. Solomon was weak. He was raised in the king's house. He was a ruddy-cheeked little boy, and I don't think anybody in the kingdom was looking at him. I mean, they were going to go after one of his brothers who was going to take the thing, and a bunch of soldiers followed him and said, yeah, let's put him on the throne the whole nine Nobody's even looking at Solomon. So naturally, Solomon was not the guy for the job. He wasn't the one you'd pick. He was the small, weak guy. He was too short. He was too soft, right? Uh, But it says in verse number uh, 7, In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said, Ask what I shall give thee. Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me the king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge, that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this thy people that is so great? God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither hast thou asked long life, but, asked, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, over whom I made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee. And I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had, that have been before thee, neither shall there any be after thee, have the like. You know what he asked for? Wisdom and knowledge. You know what he needed? He needed some information that would enable him to do something that was not his aptitude to do. Do you follow that? Yeah. It's a gift of the Spirit. You know how many preachers and preachers' wives even we've talked to, I've talked to, that say, I don't know why I'm doing this because I'm not cut out for this. That's why you're doing it. You know how many you have talked to that, like, oh, I just really feel like I'm supposed to be, man, I've seen a whole lot of mess come out of that. But God ain't doing it, that frustrated ambition. You know, most of them don't have an aptitude for it. You know what God's doing? His strength is made perfect in weakness. You say, well, I know what I'm gifted to do. You might not know. Well, I know what I, you know what you are naturally. Did you hear me? You're judging after the natural man. We're talking about the gifts of God's spirit. God will take something weak. God will take something messed up. God will take something defiled. God will clean that thing up. And God will say, that's not the most likely candidate for the job, but that's the one I'm going to use. And everybody goes, oh, look at him. Look at all David's brothers. David wasn't even a thought. And yet David naturally had more talent, had more ability in those arenas than his son Solomon did. And yet Solomon rose to a greater level than David did because David's life and the things that had gone on and the mistakes that he had made and the blood that he had shed. And yet Solomon, this weak little overlooked nobody, he didn't come from the right side of the tracks. He didn't have the right background. He didn't have the perfect parents. He didn't have the looks. He didn't have the talent. He didn't have it all. Oh yeah, he's rich. He's a cream puff. The soldiers and the generals and the nations aren't looking, the men of the nation aren't looking for a cream puff. They're more willing to go after his brother and follow his brother. Nobody's looking at the kid. And he's saying, look, I'm not the most likely candidate, God. I need help. I am called to do something I can't do. And I know it's because of your relationship with my dad. And And God gave him a gift that the Holy Spirit of God put on him. You know, some of you limit yourself. Let me say it this way. Some of you limit God. Because you look at yourself, you look at your background, you look at your personality, you look at what you're not cut out for. You know, when I got called to preach, I had people tell me, I mean, I had more than one person tell me, brother, just don't be a pastor. You ain't cut out for it. You'd make a great missionary in a third world country. You'd make a great evangelist. I think God's called you to evangelism, but don't be a pastor. Voted most likely to fail. (laughs) Least likely to succeed. You know what God made me? You know what? I agree with him, by the way. My natural aptitude. But when God does it, God gets the glory, man. And God gives the ability to do the job and it's all about Him. It ain't about you. And I'm grateful for that. Look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I gotta hurry. Look at verse 77. Luke one I'll show you another word of knowledge. He's talking here about uh, the Lord's coming. Here's John in the context. And he's given that prophecy of what he's going to do. And in verse number 77, he says, To give the knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the dayspring from on high hath visited us. And he's talking about giving the knowledge of salvation. You know what that is? It's knowledge. It's information. Look at another one. Go to Ephesians chapter number 1. I'll show you how this plays out now in this dispensation. So there's a practical application that I showed you. But now look at this doctrinally to you and I, the nuts and bolts of this in this dispensation. Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your, you have wisdom, you have knowledge, you have understanding. Ain't that interesting? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. You know what the word of knowledge is? It's an understanding of God and of who he is and how glorious he is and how good he is. That's what the word of knowledge is. I got a word of knowledge. Okay, show me. Open it up. Where's it at? Let me see. Hey, look at that. See how good God is? It's right there. That's, an under, that's a spiritual gift. Do you know most even saved people cannot grab a hold of, describe, talk about, glorify, praise, worship, or put into words how wonderful the Lord is? But you ever talk to somebody who sits around and talks about God? And it's different. You can talk to somebody else who's talking about God and they're saying stuff that's factually, it's knowledgeably correct, but it misses a pop. And then you talk to somebody else that really knows him and they're talking about the Lord. It's just a blessing to your soul, man. Look at another passage. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Look at verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, see it? Of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. What treasure? Where's the treasure? It's in earthen vessels. What's that? It's the Spirit of God. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's a gift. It's not your natural aptitude. It's not something you would normally be, but you got a treasure inside of you, and he's giving you the light and the knowledge of the glory of God. And it says we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed, perplexed. We're in dis- uh, not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. And then he goes on through all the difficulty of the ministry and the difficulty of the Christian life. But what he's saying is, hey, listen, inside of me, I got something. I got a gift of God. It's a word of knowledge. It's a knowledge of how great the Lord is. And Man, we need more Christians with that gift to truly understand the greatness of God and to be able to open that thing up and get it from your Bible and wrap your mind around it and be able to help somebody else. But let me show you the next one. It's the word of wisdom, right? We'll be quick. The word of wisdom. What is wisdom? The way I like to describe it in my studies when we went through Proverbs, this is what clicked for me. How to take the facts that you have, the knowledge, right? We were talking about knowledge. How to take the facts that you have and bring forth the best possible outcome From those facts. What is wisdom? Right? We all need wisdom folks. You need wisdom in raising your kids. I want the best possible outcome. Follow me? You need wisdom in your marriage. You need wisdom in picking a mate. You need wisdom every day of your life in talking to people and in dealing with people. You need the wisdom of God on your job. You need the wisdom of God in dealing with your neighbors, your family, your friends. You need God's wisdom. It is taking this knowledge of God that I have. I have a gift of knowledge, right? I understand the Lord. I'm learning my Bible. It's taking those things that you have and bringing the best possible outcome out of the facts that you have in front of you. A lot of people have knowledge, but they don't have any wisdom, They know a bunch of stuff. I like to call them the gotchas. It's the, I'm trying to use a nice word. It's the arrogant idiot who sits in church and thinks he knows his Bible better than the preacher and everybody else in the room. So he's waiting for you to misstep or say something wrong. And it's a "Ah, gotcha moment. Well, that's not what that actually means. Hey, you know, you said this, but I just want you to know that. Hey, appreciate all your knowledge. Hit the road because you got a word of knowledge, but you got no wisdom. So you're not bringing any good outcomes with the knowledge you've got. You got all this head knowledge of the Bible, but you're splitting churches. You're missing what the Spirit of God's trying to do with the knowledge God's given you. If God's giving you some knowledge, then you better get some wisdom with that knowledge because a lot of people take the sword and cut off ears, cut off heads, and split churches and cause trouble in church because all they got is knowledge, but they got no stinking wisdom. They'll start their little club, their little clique, their little Bible studies. They'll start splitting the church up and causing a bunch of problems in the church over their knowledge. If God's giving you knowledge, you better add some wisdom to it. A lot of saved people got the knowledge of salvation, right? Like we saw in Luke one seventy-seven, But they don't have any wisdom at all, and that's why they don't win souls. He that wins souls is knowledgeable, wise. What's wisdom? Let's go look at an example of it. Go to 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to hurry, all right? 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to get there and just start reading. I'll let you catch up. 1 Kings chapter 3, if I can ever get there, here we go. All right, 1 Kings 3, look at verse number 16. This is Solomon's first judgment here that's recorded once he's reigning. Then came there two women that were harlots under the king and stood before him. The one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. It came to pass the third day after that I was delivered that this woman was delivered also, and we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. This woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. So she rolled over and was sleeping too sound and suffocated her kid. Verse 20, And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me, while thine handmaid slept, and laid it in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. When I arose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. And when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is thy my son, and the dead is thy son. Real classy women, you know. And this said, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is the dead. The other saith, Nay, but thy son's the dead, and my son's the living. He says, Alright, you guys are both saying the same thing, and there's nobody to prove it. King looks over, he says, Bring me a sword. They brought the king a, sword, uh, uh, brought a sword before the king. And the king says, hey, take that sword, cut that kid in half, and give it to the two of them, and then shut up and get out of here, ladies. Leave me alone. And the one, verse 26, the woman whose living child who's, who's the living child was, said unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. She said, oh, my Lord, give, give her the living child. Don't, don't kill the baby. No wise, slay it. But the other said, no, let it neither be mine nor thine, but divide it. And the king answered and said, give it to her. You know what that is? That's wisdom. Probably a teenage kid at the time. A couple of harlots been around the block a time or two, deal with the worst of the worst. And they know how to survive that environment, navigate that environment, deal with those guys. These women got a lot of worldly Wisdom. They got a lot of worldly knowledge, and here's a little rosy-cheeked kid that never drank a beer, never smoked a cigarette, never took a little bit of a chew, never cussed, never looked at pornography, less never listened to the wrong kind of music, and he's sitting on his throne, and here's his first judgment, and God said, I'll give you wisdom, and I'll give you knowledge, and I'll give you understanding, and I'll enable you to guide these people, and he outfoxed them both. <laughs> All you need is God. You don't need to have some kind of a dramatic testimony of, oh, I'm so messed up, and I just really ruined my life, and now all of a sudden I can praise and glorify the Lord because I know what it feels like to be out there, and now I'm back. and Get rid of all that junk. The devil gets in some of your heads and makes you feel like you don't have a testimony unless it's defiled. That's wicked. This guy's got a testimony, a testimony that spread the whole world. And he got it from God. And when he looked at him, he said, oh, that's the mama. Ain't that good? You know what he was dealing with? The facts he had. What facts did he have? Just about nothing. I mean, literally, he had just about nothing. They're both claiming the same thing, and there's nobody there to prove them wrong, and they're both saying the same thing, and there's a dead baby and a live baby. Baby's probably, wah, wah. no, it's mine. No, it's mine. He said, like, I know what to do. You know what that is? That's wisdom. He took Horrible facts. He had nothing good. Like, are you serious? This is my first case? Where are the pictures? Did anybody have their cell phone on them? Is there any video? Where's the surveillance cameras? Is anybody else there to back the story? This is, you're bringing me this? Of course I'm going to fail. And God gives him wisdom to take the facts he has and brings the best possible outcome, and he outfoxed him because he had wisdom. You understand that you don't have to have IQ. You don't have to have a doctor's degree in theology. You've got to have the Spirit of God. And God's Spirit gives a gift, and the gift is a word of wisdom. And this man had it. I think that's the greatest example of it. Go with me to Proverbs uh, chapter 9, please. And we'll look at a couple, more, a couple more verses here, and then we'll close it out for tonight. Go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 9. And look at verse 10. All three words right here in this verse. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of and the of the Holy is Isn't that interesting how they're all three right there? These two are in 1 Corinthians 12, wisdom and knowledge, right? But understanding is always connected as you go through other passages of the Bible. So he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why? Why? Because if you're afraid of God, you're going to take the facts that you have, the knowledge that you have, and you're going to make the best possible decision with the knowledge you got. Do you see how that works? Because remember what I said, wisdom is taking the knowledge and not just having knowledge, but knowing how to bring a good outcome of the knowledge that you have. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because when you fear God, you go, that's wrong, God said that's wrong, and since I fear God, Now I have this set of facts. I have this set of understanding. I have this knowledge around me. And since I fear God, I'm going to bring the right outcome with what I have. I'm not going to do that because God doesn't like that. God judges that. And I'm going to do that because God blesses that. God likes that. I'll do that. I want God's blessing. That's wisdom. That's taking the the facts you have and bringing a good outcome. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If I'm afraid of God, If I take the pulpit ministry very seriously, like Almighty God is one day going to have me stand before him, and he's going to look me in the eyes with the eyes as a flame of fire. He's going to look right down at me, and he's going to say, Mike, what did you preach? If I'm afraid of that, then I'm going to be very careful how I handle his words in his pulpit to his people. I'm going to take the knowledge I have and try to bring the best possible outcome I can with the knowledge I've got. And that requires God. I can't do it. I don't even have an aptitude for it. I'm a bull in a china shop. I'll bull through the thing and just, just trash everybody and wreck everything. And it is what it is. I won't be one bit sensitive to human emotions, human feelings, people's backgrounds, where they're coming from, how I'm coming across, whether or not I'm ministering and helping anybody, ever. I mean, just 100% bull in a china shop. Knowledge with no wisdom. Well, That's dangerous stuff. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy Is understanding. I'll come back to that in just a minute. Keep your finger here in Proverbs 9. Go to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. Let me show you something how this works, how this plays out in a practical nuts and bolts sense. All right. Proverbs 29, look at verse 15. The rod and reproof give. You know what you're doing, mama and daddy, when you spank your kids? You're making them wise. You know why? They're going, okay, the facts I have are mom and dad said don't touch. And I touched. And that didn't work out very good. You understand? Knowledge with the worst possible outcome brings a reproof. And that says, that was not pleasurable, I did not like that, I don't want that to happen again. What they're learning, what you're instilling in them from a very early age is you're instilling in them taking the knowledge, I know I wasn't supposed to, but I did anyways, brings bad results. So they're learning wisdom. By learning to fear you. By learning to understand that there's rules and regulations and there's information out there. And that information is, thou shalt not touch. Thou shalt not eat of the tree. And if I mess up, I'm in trouble. It brings wisdom. Young people don't realize, some of you don't realize, you have more wisdom than you know you have. i stop and say, hey, I want to talk to you. And you're like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. (laughs) No, I was actually going to say something good. (laughs) Why? Because you don't realize you have more knowledge. You know why you have more wisdom than you realize you have? Because you know the fear of God. And you realize God judges and you realize God's watching and you're trying to do the right things. You're taking the information you have and you're trying to bring the best possible outcome in the eyes of God. And that is wisdom. And as you grow in that and learn that, uh, you'll benefit from it throughout your life. Go back to Proverbs chapter 4. I've got to cut this short. Go back to Proverbs chapter 4 and, uh, and then we'll, I want to show you one more thing here as it relates to understanding so you can wrap this up. I'll put a little bow on it and we'll get out of here. Proverbs chapter 4, look at, Verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Okay? But we just saw it. What is understanding? Wisdom is the principal thing, right? Therefore, get wisdom. With all thy getting, while you're going after wisdom, get understanding. Okay? What is understanding? Understanding is the knowledge of the holy knowledge of what the knowledge of the holy it brings us in a full circle all the way back you see how these spiritual gifts are pretty interesting they they kind of like they kind of run together they work together they balance themselves here's a great way for me to explain understanding to you understanding is knowing how wisdom and knowledge apply to god is that simple does that make sense Understanding is knowing how wisdom and knowledge apply to God. Because I told you already that Lucifer had wisdom and Lucifer had knowledge, right? Lucifer's wisdom and knowledge resulted in an understanding of how it applied to benefiting Lucifer. You know what you see nowadays all over this world? People with wisdom and knowledge in how to benefit themselves. So their understanding is in how it brings good out for themselves. Dog-eat-dog world. How can I win? How can I come out on top? That's demonic wisdom and demonic knowledge. But godly wisdom and godly knowledge, a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge from the Spirit of God comes with understanding on how those things apply to God. Here's another way to put it. Understanding is the relationship between knowledge, which is what you know. You, have some, you guys have some knowledge of the Bible. Understanding is the relationship between knowledge and wisdom. So the relationship between what you know and how to apply what you know to bring out the best possible outcome. Understanding is the relationship between those two and how those things apply to God. Is that confusing? Or does that make sense? In other words, I'm learning my Bible. That's a wonderful thing. Good. I'm glad you're getting knowledge. Can you take what you're learning and apply it practically to your life in such a way that brings a great outcome for the glory of God? And, and are you taking those things and are you jiving those things with how, who God is and how God works? Follow me? Taking the Bible knowledge you're getting... And the wisdom you're gaining, the fear of the Lord, and how to apply your Bible in a way to bring good outcomes in your life, in your home, in your family, in your walk with Jesus Christ, in your witness, at the workplace, with your family, bringing that, that wisdom, that knowledge into an effect that's bringing out the proper outcomes. Not knowledge that's driving everybody away, but knowledge that's bringing souls in, that's improving you for God. And, and understanding those things in light of who God is and how God works. So here's a great way for me to, I hope this puts a bow on it, because it made a lot of sense when I wrote it down, so hopefully it still makes sense. A word of of knowledge is knowing what to say. A word of knowledge is knowing what to say. A word of wisdom is knowing how and when to say it. Because you're walking with God, and you understand Him, And you see how he works. And you're sensitive to how he works. And so you have understanding of God. So you know not only what to say. But how and when to say it. As prodded and led by the spirit of God. Based on the way God's spirit works. Now that is something. To strive for. To pray about. To seek. When you're witnessing. I recommend you throw up a Nehemiah. So I prayed unto the God of heaven. And feel it out. God, help me know when you're working. Help me recognize when this person's about to get saved. And that one's going to get saved. Lord, help me to recognize it. Give me that gift, God, to see and to know how you're working and to put my words in such a way that come across the right way. Put my knowledge the right way to this individual so I can use the knowledge of God that I have and the understanding of who you are in a wise way to benefit them and win souls for Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, you see how you need these gifts with your kids and your grandkids? I know a lot of knowledgeable Christians that just drive everybody away. They don't have a sense of timing. They don't seem to know how God works, how the Holy Spirit works. They don't seem to have any wisdom at all. They might be right. And they're right all the time. And you're like, get off me, you nuisance. But I've known other people that could come along and say the exact same thing and be just as right. But because they have wisdom and understanding, they say it in a way that's really helpful and convicting, and strengthening, and you're like, yeah, you're right, and really, thanks, I needed that. And those are gifts of God's Spirit, and gifts we should all desire. All right, let's pray, and we'll be dismissed for tonight. Thanks for your attention. I know it's getting warm in here, and all that stuff. I appreciate your patience and attention. Father, we love you tonight.